File 51 of A Treatise of Human Nature by David Hume, Volume 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by George Yeager. Book 3 of Morals. Part 3 of The Other Virtues and Vices. Section 3 of Goodness and Benevolence. Having thus explained the origin of that praise and approbation which attends everything we call great in human affections, we now proceed to give an account of their goodness, and shew whence its merit is derived. When experience has once given us a competent knowledge of human affairs, and has taught us the proportion they bear to human passion, we perceive that the generosity of men is very limited, and that it seldom extends beyond their friends and family, or at most beyond their native country. Being thus acquainted with the nature of man, we expect not any impossibilities from him, but confine our view to that narrow circle in which any person moves in order to form a judgment of his moral character. When the natural tendency of his passions leads him to be serviceable and useful within his sphere, we approve of his character and love his person by a sympathy with the sentiments of those who have a more particular connection with him. We are quickly obliged to forget our own interest in our judgments of this kind by reason of the perpetual contradictions we meet with in society and conversation from persons that are not placed in the same situation and have not the same interest with ourselves. The only point of view in which our sentiments concur with those of others is when we consider the tendency of any passion to the advantage or harm of those who have any immediate connection or intercourse with the person possessed of it. And though this advantage or harm be often very remote from ourselves, yet sometimes it is very near us, and interests us strongly by sympathy. This concern we readily extend to other cases that are resembling and when these are very remote, our sympathy is proportionably weaker, and our praise or blame fainter and more doubtful. The case is here the same as in our judgments concerning external bodies. All objects seem to diminish by their distance, but though the appearance of objects to our senses be the original standard by which we judge of them, yet we do not say that they actually diminish by the distance but correcting the appearance by reflection arrive at a more constant and established judgment concerning them in like manner though sympathy be much fainter than our concern for ourselves and the sympathy with persons remote from us much fainter than that with persons near and contiguous yet we neglect all these differences in our calm judgments concerning the characters of men. Besides that we ourselves often change our situation in this particular, we every day meet with persons who are in a different situation from ourselves, and who could never converse with us on any reasonable terms, were we to remain constantly in that situation and point of view which is peculiar to us.
the intercourse of sentiments therefore in society and conversation makes us form some general inalterable standard by which we may approve or disapprove of characters and manners and though the heart does not always take part with those general notions or regulate its love and hatred by them yet are they sufficient for discourse and serve all our purposes in company in the pulpit on the theatre and in the schools from these principles we may easily account for that merit which is commonly ascribed to generosity humanity compassion gratitude friendship fidelity zeal disinterestedness liberality and all those other qualities which form the character of good and benevolent a propensity to the tender passions makes a man agreeable and useful in all the parts of life and gives a just direction to all his other qualities which otherwise may become prejudicial to society courage and ambition when not regulated by benevolence are fit only to make a tyrant and public robber it is the same case with judgment and capacity and all the qualities of that kind they are indifferent in themselves to the interests of society and have a tendency to the good or ill of mankind according as they are directed by these other passions as love is immediately agreeable to the person who is actuated by it and hatred immediately disagreeable this may also be a considerable reason why we praise all the passions that partake of the former and blame all those that have any considerable share of the latter it is certain we are infinitely touched with a tender sentiment as well as with a great one the tears naturally start in our eyes at the conception of it nor can we forbear giving a loose to the same tenderness towards the person who exerts it all this seems to me a proof that our approbation has in those cases an origin different from the prospect of utility and advantage either to ourselves or others to which we may add that men naturally without reflection approve of that character which is most like their own the man of a mild disposition and tender affections in forming a notion of the most perfect virtue mixes in it more of benevolence and humanity than the man of courage and enterprise who naturally looks upon a certain elevation of mind as the most accomplished character this must evidently proceed from an immediate sympathy which men have with characters similar to their own they enter with more warmth into such sentiments and feel more sensibly the pleasure which arises from them it is remarkable that nothing touches a man of humanity more than any instance of extraordinary delicacy in love or friendship where a person is attentive to the smallest concerns of his friend and is willing to sacrifice to them the most considerable interest of his own such delicacies have little influence on society because they make us regard the greatest trifles but they are the more engaging the more minute the concern is 
and are a proof of the highest merit in any one who is capable of them the passions are so contagious that they pass with the greatest facility from one person to another and produce correspondent movements in all human breasts where friendship appears in very signal instances my heart catches the same passion and is warmed by those warm sentiments that display themselves before me such agreeable movements must give me an affection to every one that excites them this is the case with everything that is agreeable in any person the transition from pleasure to love is easy but the transition must here be still more easy since the agreeable sentiment which is excited by sympathy is love itself and there is nothing required but to change the object hence the peculiar merit of benevolence in all its shapes and appearances hence even its weaknesses are virtuous and amiable and a person whose grief upon the loss of a friend were excessive would be esteemed upon that account his tenderness bestows a merit as it does a pleasure on his melancholy we are not however to imagine that all the angry passions are vicious though they are disagreeable there is a certain indulgence due to human nature in this respect anger and hatred are passions inherent in our very frame and constitution the want of them on some occasions may even be a proof of weakness and imbecility and where they appear only in a low degree we not only excuse them because they are natural but even bestow our applauses on them because they are inferior to what appears in the greatest part of mankind where these angry passions rise up to cruelty they form the most detested of all vices all the pity and concern which we have for the miserable sufferers by this vice turns against the person guilty of it and produces a stronger hatred than we are sensible of on any other occasion even when the vice of inhumanity rises not to this extreme degree our sentiments concerning it are very much influenced by reflections on the harm that results from it and we may observe in general that if we can find any quality in a person which renders him incommodious to those who live and converse with him we always allow it to be a fault or blemish without any farther examination on the other hand when we enumerate the good qualities of any person we always mention those parts of his character which render him a safe companion an easy friend a gentle master an agreeable husband or an indulgent father we consider him with all his relations in society and love or hate him according as he affects those who have any immediate intercourse with him and it is a most certain rule that if there be no relation of life in which i could not wish to stand to a particular person his character must so far be allowed to be perfect if he be as little wanting to himself as to others his character is entirely perfect this is the ultimate test of merit and virtue
End of file 51.